I shade my eyes and look into their faces. There are three of them. Two tall men and a boy teenager. I put out my hand. They just stare. I'm about to retract it when the oldest one reaches. I can't determine whether the lightness of touch is in the shaking or in my head. It's 1976. I'm 14. I'm lost in the Mojave Desert. I have sunstroke. These men who have found me are tall, effeminate, but not like girls. The old man has the deepest creases I have ever seen in a human face. They stare without grinning. They are beautiful, like my mother. They take turns looking into the distance. They look in a lazy way. They aren't shocked, nor are they angry. They want no explanation. The old man recognizes this burning boy has come out into the desert with a mission. He touches his lips with his fingertips, shades his eyes, then taps the crown of his head. He gives me water. Did you dream you'd come out here? He asks. That was 1976. Stella, I got here as soon as I could. I've been shot. No, you haven't. My father, your husband, you may recall, has tried to poison you. That's what I've been told. I know when I've been shot. Have they operated? It's still in there. The guards have been here. You told them Edwin shot you? I said nothing. They'll want the bullet. A handsome guarder. Wouldn't say which barracks he was from. They're trained that way. The bitch over there says she's praying for me. That's nice. Nothing wrong with her, except she should shave the beard. You've told her, no doubt? I'm dying. You didn't actually swallow any poison. They've established that. Seemingly, you had your hand on the cup, but you smelt a rat. It's the bullet in me. Will you kiss your father when you see him? Stella, please. After what he's done. Next time you kiss him, see that he's dead. Where is he now? Has he gone missing? No. I'm glad you're here, Magnus. Don't be afraid. What now? What do I do? You hold fast. I'll go at him. Get to the bottom of this. I'll talk to Charlotte. I'll ring Maureen. Ah, oh, son. Don't you ask son me. You're going in there with a bunch of flowers. I am. Are you mad? Should be expecting me. We need to talk. Come with me. Lay off. I'm in a state. Give me those. You can't just throw a bunch of flowers on a gurney. Get go of me. No. What are you taking me? Hell. We can talk on the way. I'm an atheist, son. Tell me what you've done. Speak into the great void. He didn't speak. We didn't go to hell, Charlotte. Instead, I took him to his favorite restaurant. 
That is to say, the only restaurant he ever goes to. I don't know what you see in this place. Swift. Cops and bin men come here. You used to come here with Stella. A long time ago. Did you do it? You've talked to the detective. Yes. He thinks I did it. You can tell me straight. Give me the facts. Tell me about your suffering. I used to know the chef here, but he's gone someplace. What? The smell. The smell? What smell? Dog? Not dog. Dirty vacuum cleaner. That passes for the smell of living in these parts now that your mother is at war with me. What dog is this, by the way? The neighbor's dog. It comes in. Social call? You're angry, I know. I just want the truth. You reached breaking point with Stella. We can start there. Breaking point? <laughs> Not me, son. Speak it out. I won't be shocked. You're sorry she didn't drink the paraquat. There's no case against me. I can counsel. I can advocate. I forgot to get the groceries. To hell with the groceries. Are you sick in there? I'm full of shit these days, son, but not sick. I forget. I want to give myself a good thump. I'm glad you're here. I'll get the groceries. When she and I first met, I was around her like a hula hoop. But you discovered the two of you like a scrap. There was a time when we fought and both of us got something out of it. Admit you tried to kill her. I will organize your defense. This will soon be over. Oh, well, that's good to hear, isn't it? You put the paraquat on the armrest of the chair, didn't you? All right, tell me you didn't do it. That's all in Stella's imagination. It's malicious invention. Mind. All this junk. How do you get the car out? That old bike, you should use it. I don't need a bike. Use it to get around. I won't be staying. Your mother won't use it. She won't be staying. The bike is there if you need it. Mind you, I wouldn't trust the brakes. Do you want books from the house? No books, Dad. I want you to take something you'd like. You appreciate books. Look at that pile of newspapers. This garage is a fire hazard. You should have the place before either of us goes. <laughs> Better hurry up, says you. <laughs> Why are you talking about that now? Choose some books, Magnus. I can give you a canvas bag. I've got to go now. Your mother again. Detective Ritchie. You haven't had your breakfast. Give me the keys of the car. And open the garage doors. Detective Garda Ritchie. Mr. Sparling, have a seat. Uh, that one's safer. Safer? Uh, more comfortable. He's told you nothing? Oh, we had a long talk. Nothing useful. You couldn't get inside his head. Doesn't surprise me. There are a few facts to examine. It's appalling. That much is clear. Can I see the cup? See it? You do have it, I take it, in one of your plastic bags? We do. Later, maybe. What do you suppose happened? Paraquat in a cup. She didn't drink it. Drama, you think? Hmm? Two people with high emotion. Tell me about your actual investigation. 
My mother dialed 999 and... And we responded. Oh, come on. She made her accusation. She's off the rails. You might have gathered that. It's upsetting, I know. Are you saying there's a history? History? Of mental illness. Nothing certifiable? How is she now, Mr. Sparling? DTs. But on the mend from her shock. You want her mental health assessed? We must determine whether or not there's a criminal case to answer. Are you suggesting your mother's mental health is in question? I'm suggesting nothing. She seems to think you know what's been going on between herself and your father. She says you won't doubt her. My mother has high expectations. She's easily disappointed in people. Is that what you're telling me? Easily disappointed? Yes. Very angry. She's given to exaggeration, perhaps. Certainly. I'll be asking the same of your father, of course, about his mental state, I mean. He's a rock. He's a rock. You don't mind me writing my notes, huh? I need to hold a clear picture. Go ahead. It's a continuum, isn't it? What is? Mental health. There isn't a dividing line between those of us who are mentally ill and those of us who are not. A continuum? Yes. So the experts tell us, Mr. Sparling... Oh, you must be distraught in yourself. I I, I meant to acknowledge that properly when we spoke on the phone. I'm sorry. I'm sure you come across this kind of situation on a regular basis, Detective. Situation? Where you have a strong accusation and an equally strong denial and nothing much to go on. No. No? In this case, we can ask for a psychiatric assessment, you understand. You can insist? We can. Of course... uh, a voluntary assessment might be the way to go. We'd take an interest in both parties, I can say. Dear God. I knew you'd see the way, Mr. Sparling. I- I'll show you that cup now. Thick blue and white stripes. Probably drunk out of that very cup yourself. Where is she? Who? Stella. Who the hell else? She's not in the hospital. Gone, son, like smoke through a keyhole. Gone where? To her sister. You know that. Stop trying to catch me out. It's hard, this new regime. Nineteen seventy-six. Change is coming for the Sparlings. We are going to visit my father's birth mother in Bakersfield, California. He has never met her. My mother cries at the door. What is she crying for? She could come to America, but... She says this journey is a mistake. I want my mother and you, Aunt Charlotte, and Aunt Maureen to be at the airport, all wavy and laughing and teary to see us off, but you are not there on this day. Sorry, sorry. Magnus, mind that bag. He's sorry. He's terribly sorry. At Los Angeles Airport, we change into our best clothes. Van Heusen shirts, Clark's shoes, ties bought in Switzers. My father puts on a dark mohair suit. We have V-neck pullovers in the grip bag for cold nights. The stripes go in a different direction on an American tie, Edwin tells me. Never mind, he says, sick with nerves. We are ready for anything. Edwin loves his cars. We hire a tan-coloured Buick with a white convertible top. We head east from the airport, avoiding central Los Angeles. There are dentists and opticians with offices in skyscrapers. Downtown, that is. Undertakers, too, perhaps. And halls. 
They can be seen anywhere in every city and can also be found on some ranches. There are definitely orgy clubs in Los Angeles. Taff, the school bully, has told me. There are whores on Sunset Boulevard who wear knickers only because it gets cold at night, but we won't be seeing them. We don't stop. That would be bad karma. We put on too much suntan oil. It makes our skin orange. My hair sticks to my forehead. Edwin takes his hands off the steering wheel for a moment and smiles at me. We're not on the main highway north to Bakersfield. We're on a bullet road, an alternate route through the Mojave Desert. It's a delaying tactic. Can we go to Eureka Dunes? I ask. I show Edwin the picture in the guidebook. These dunes make an eerie and fantastic sound, I explain. We need big magic for our visit to the Blood Mother who might turn everything bad. But my father is not listening. I open my mouth wide to fill it with hot desert air. What do you do that for? Don't know, son. Charlotte, I'm thinking about my architect father taking me on professional visits to aging regional hospitals and asylums he's renovating. Part of my broader education, but also, I know I'm performing a service. I'm a decoy, an icebreaker, a diffuser of unwanted attention. I'm glad to be included. I'm ready for anything. Dad's helper. We might have to sleep in the car. We might. But we don't sleep in the car. We check into the Silver Rails Motel, though I see no railway tracks. Early in the morning, before it is light, he comes to my bedside and says... When we visit her, we have to be smart. Don't we, Magnus? We always have to be smart, Dad. You're right, son. You're right. It's the last in a line of block and plaster houses. Hers is painted powder yellow. We pull in at the curb under a mighty tree. My father's knuckles stay white on the steering wheel, but he smiles at me. You stay here. It's only a visit. It's only a visit? What does this mean? I'll call you when I need you. We're being smart about it. I can't see much of the encounter on the doorstep, just a silhouetted figure of an elderly woman with her hair in a turban. She steps back into the hallway. My father lumbers in after her. There is a hug that doesn't last long. Then the door closes. I'm good at snooping. I can remain perfectly still for long stretches, stifle a cough or sneeze, even with God watching from the bushes. I watch my father with the blood woman through open blind slats. I can't hear what is being said, but I see him touch her hair and her reach to his hand, either to feel it or move it away. I'm not sure which. She doesn't seem to know that she must speak. Being old is no excuse. We're here to stick it to her. When that's done, my father and I can leave. We can go to Eureka Dunes. What we discover is that she's still with Edwin's father. This blood is named Ned. He comes down the stairs, that is, when she sees me at the window. She beckons me with a crooked finger like a mad witch. God holds his breath. Oh, he's a beautiful young man. Look at him, Ned. Wouldn't you be proud? <laughs> we are proud, aren't we, Ned? Yes. Uh, yes, we are. 
The Ned man is afraid for his wife and for himself. My father has no vision beyond this point, and vision is suddenly required. He is shocked, appalled even. She has stayed with the Ned man, but not with baby Edwin. Now he can't bear his mother's fawning. I'm glad you've come, Edwin, she keeps repeating. His name doesn't sit well with her. It wasn't them who gave it. There's a faulty sing-song rhythm to her speech. The Ned man's voice is not wide enough in his mouth to be a proper American, which is what he's pretending to be. Uh, I'm glad to meet you, boy. He doesn't know how to conduct himself. She is the stronger of the two. She reaches for me to gather me in, but I am unwilling. I make this clear by stepping to one side, but Edwin pushes me back into her arms. Sit down. Sit down. Uh, sit down. They have two other grown children, Sean and Angelica. We see their photographs on the piano. Edwin has brought on this collision, but some psychic circle he wants to close is not closing. What is she saying to me? Do I like maths? Can I paint and draw? Am I good at sports? In her days, she was a good runner. That much we know. My father is standing too close to her. I think he wants to smell her skin, wants to see if at some primitive level he recognises what he has not found in the voice. Sean is in the Navy. He, he ships out of Seattle. He loves the sea. Uh, we don't see him much. We saw him at Christmas. Oh, yes, we did, yeah. We, we had a picnic. They set us up in the gymnasium. They have the picnics in the gymnasium when it's cold. I can't bear it. I can't bear to see my father in their clutches. I'll make coffee and tea if you want it. Magnus, you come help me. Magnus, you help your grandmother. I can't bear it. It's good that you're here, Ed. It certainly is. In the kitchen, she begins to interrogate me about my mother, where we live, what school I go to. I tell her the minimum. Tell me, Magnus. Are you always up to mischief? She asks. Says she can see that I'm blessed with adventure. She is so afraid she can't take her eyes off me. What do you want to know about me? Ask my dad. Get him in here now, I want to say. I will. I'll ask. Edwin appears in the doorway. Tell her about Taff, your bully friend. This is a terrible betrayal. But I tell them... She produces a cake. He doesn't need cake, my father says, but I say I do. I want it. You must stay here, she says, shocking herself. She does not want us going to a hotel. Ah, oh, you will. You'll stay. Thank you, but I have to get him back. What? We stay a while. Edwin lets her cross-examine him about his work, his adoptive family, the school he was sent to. He's her baby again. I cram the cake into me, thinking these bloods can't stand each other, but stay together because of what they've done. She tells us about Shawnee when he was a little boy, how he had to wear a leather skull cap to prevent him from bumping his head. She still has it. She can show us the skull cap. No hurt, no rage is more remote than his, my dear old dad wants to say, but does not. There is no innocence here, just the dulling of sensibilities. This is what he has come for, I think, that and to remove the humdrum mystery. 
but he has not stated why he has come. And now we are about to leave. You shouldn't have done that. Brought me here, made me speak. You think it was right to just sit down to tea after spying through the window? No, I, I, I'm sorry. Have a takeout cake when we're ready to go. I'm sorry I ate the cake. I am. You didn't see me eating cake, did you? I am so sorry that I've eaten the woman's cake. I stick my fingers down my throat and throw it up on their lawn. But nothing more is reversed. He holds me front and back with the palms of his hands, but at the car he hits me on the back of the head because I don't get in. I don't get in because he hasn't unlocked the doors. Sorry. Sorry, son. He is sorry because the world is good to him, and he has made a mistake. I I'm upset. Upset about... I know. You don't know. I'm 14. Of course I don't know. That evening... I sneak out of the motel. I take the car and I drive into the desert. Thick with bloods. Thick. Then I run out of petrol. The smell of chaparral plants fills my nostrils. My hands crawl down my legs to the ground. The low sun has gone behind a dark cloud. The sensation on my face is the agitating atoms of air that makes everything fresh, makes stones smooth, makes eureka dunes boom. I think of my father submitting to kisses on the face, kisses on the head. It's getting dark. Now there is a smell of electric damp. A storm is coming. Sheets of rain, lightning flashes. He'll be going insane looking for me. I am afraid. I stay in the car all night. In the heat of the morning, I am afraid, but in a big, dreamy way. I resist the urge to run. I begin to walk. The temperature climbs. I pass out. I get up. I am very thirsty. I panic. I begin the trek back to the car. I only think of it now. I'll drink water from the radiator. The windscreen washer. Then... Then my daddy will find me. At the car, I meet the three Mojave. I shade my eyes and look into their faces. Did you dream? You'd come out here. Why do you tell me this story now, Magnus? Because it shows what he's made of. Edwin's a manipulator, a user. It's how the weak try to protect themselves. I understand. I do. You are accepting. I want to help him, Charlotte. You think he put poison out for my sister because he's weak? It was a pathetic action. He should speak to me, but he's afraid. You think Stella's made it up? Detective Ritchie thinks otherwise. Charlotte, you look at me with such disapproving eyes. 
When we came home all those years ago, he swore me to secrecy. He told Stella nothing. He hid behind me. He made me think I had spoilt everything for him. I was only a boy. He told me a story about visiting his blood mother. He did? The visit was a mistake. He knows that. Losing you broke his heart. That's the story I know. And now he's tried to poison Stella. You want him to atone? No sign of that. Now there's a surprise. You want to tell the guards? I've a mind to nail it, yes. I put the paraquat out for Stella. Edwin told me to say nothing. You don't doubt me, I hope, Magnus. You? I did. So there it is, Stella. The simple truth tumbling out of your sister's mouth. I can hear you stamping your feet under the kitchen table as you type a letter to Detective Ritchie on Dad's old Olympia. Be blunt with the facts. Don't exaggerate, Stella. You see better than me Charlotte's fantasy playing out. Too late is better than never. That makes it never too late. She is to be recognised as the white-haired mistress and properly become Edwin's lover, and you will acquiesce. You will give him over because of all your infidelities. Everyone will see the rightness of it. There is no more powerful force on earth than the turning of the worm. Poor, lonely, deluded Charlotte. She sees you won't have it. You won't let him go to her, even at this late hour. The poisoning of Stella Sparling is to be a sentimental act. Sister to sister. You've had your innings. Magnus, dear, you tell the guards. You're a Whitehall civil servant. If it's for the best, you'll know. I'm just taking it in at the minute, Charlotte. It's odd Stella doesn't suspect it was me. I've been neglected. Yes, well... I'd suspect me. You would, wouldn't you? She said nothing to you. Quiet. I'm thinking. Don't take all day, dear. I could never tell her how much your father means to me. It's a terrible thing you've done. Yes. A terrible thing. There are many things that shouldn't happen to a person. It won't start. Won't it? It's not the battery. I've been to Charlotte again. Oh, why? She told you Stella invented all this? No. Ah, I see. Look at the state of that hedge. I used to do all the digging for your Aunt Charlotte in that bloody great garden of hers. Not to mention this place front and back. Now I get tired grating a piece of cheese. <laughs> it's hard to take in what she just told me. Yes, it would be. She spoke it out. And here I am. With you. You know Girdled, the mathematician? What? He died of starvation. 
Not out in the wilds, but at home in the city. He had a thing about being poisoned, poor man. He was convinced, you see. But there's no foundation to it. He went mad. He only trusted his wife to test his food. And when she was taken into hospital, he died of starvation. <sighs> the things that can happen. I've told you. I put the poison out for your mother. No, you didn't. Go and make us tea. Fact is, the report isn't ready for the 200 meeting. Notify the permanent secretary immediately. He'll have to fend off the rowdies. Oh, yeah, excuse me, I should take this. Hello? Oh, Stella. Yes? Hard. Oh, thank God. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll be there as soon as I can get away. Same hospital where your mother held court. I won't be staying long either. A twinge, that's all. I've talked to the doctor. You need to convalesce. How many times have you been over of late? You can't be taking this time from your work, do you hear me? Stella says she's going to Perth to stay with Maureen. We'll see. I talked to that detective. But she called you again. I called him. I wanted to finish him off. Are we done? I asked. It rests, he told me. <laughs> what a phrase. See, nobody's told him anything. Things are looking up. And thinking about Stella, if she really was dead. And you find that helpful, do you? No, no. She'd be thinking of coming back to haunt me. She'd be wanting to... Harmonize, you see. There's a coming together? Is that, is that what you're saying? Uh, she would think so, with obvious limitations. All the acrimony is redundant? Well, a lot of it falls away, wouldn't you think? There's no meeting up with them after. That's a sinker? She'd want to make her peace across the divide. Magnus, I'm sorry for the anger I've caused. You want that door closed? No. You should sit down, Dad. The taxi won't be here for time yet. I'm all right. You sure about the door? There's a hell of a draft. Yes, I'm sure. The air. Do you want to go out? Out? Across to the park. We could sit in there. Oh, another time. When you're back, we'll go for a nice dinner. There's food here. I'll take you to your favorite restaurant. I've gone off that place. I'll get the Daimler running. We'll go for a drive and a dinner. Bring your pal Noel, if you, if, if you like. <laughs> I've gone off him, too. <laughs> We're very early for the taxi, Dad. I want to get on. You look very smart. Is that one of your important shirts? It is. This is only for a short time. I know. Convalescence. I know what it is. 
get you arrested. <sighs> you never went back to the Bloods, did you? Never. I've thought about them. I've been going over our visits. Remembering them. You think I should have gone back? I didn't want to. Why would you want to go back? Your mother never forgave me. Tell me that. What I want to say is that... Uh, it, 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 was, it was a brave thing to do. You were my companion. You used me, but, but I understand why. It's all a wonder. Would you say some? You've made new friends here? No. Anyone to fight with? No rows. Just like dogs at the vet. You'll be home soon. Your mother's coming in. I know. She'll be in a state of high anticipation. No doubt the idea of me being properly dead and her fully alive has taken hold in her head and she can't get over herself. You're not dying. You're convalescing. I'll soon be a dead atheist, son. Keep well clear of her for a time when I'm gone. That's my advice. Talk to her on the phone. It will all be bearable. Come on. The doctor says you need to walk. If something happens to me, I don't want to... What do you call it? Awake. You've told me this before. Your mother will make an event of it. She'll want the attention. You want no drama. <laughs> I understand. We don't need to talk about this. There'll be a handful of genuine mourners. Noel, if he's still above ground. Your aunts, Maureen's boys, Jack's dog from next door. <laughs> Don't waste your time with this stuff. You'll be dead. There'll be others, neighbours and the like. Be warned, there'll be a third category, another gang. Who would that be? Gouger's coming to gawk. Coming to poke around, to show off. Show off? Present themselves and have a crow. Stella's friends. My enemies. <laughs> Charlotte will spot them for you. I'll have them booted out. I heard of a woman, a singer and dancer, who put her husband's ashes in a pair of maracas. As punishment? <laughs> she was agreed in advance. He would go in the maracas. I've no such arrangement with your mother. <laughs> You'll have to get together on that. Detective Ritchie, Magnus Sparling, you were looking for me? Mr. Sparling, I spoke with your father again. You're going to tell me you learnt nothing useful for your investigation? He's quite the gentleman, your father. Are you allowed to say as much? I am. I suppose we'll never know. There's nothing more for us here. The allegation remains on file. That is the requirement, I understand. You want me to come into the station again? I do not. Thank you, Detective Ritchie.
They said at the home to look for you across in the shopping centre. <laughs> they said you like to come here? I sit on this electric massage chair. I have a think. <laughs> They're closing up, Dad. Come on. I have a hired car down in the basement. Well, you could use the Daimler. Oh. It's out of action. Like myself. Take your time. I am taking my time. I, I'm over there, by the pillar. It's a bloody disgrace what they're charging for hiring a car. Get the Daimler fixed, Magnus. I, I, are you all right? Yes, I'm all right. What are you saying? Well, you, you're... You're talking into a drain. Not the first time, son. I'm sorry for doubting you. So very sorry. You say nothing about Charlotte. It... It rests. Charlotte is my companion. So it would seem. Good boy. Are you sure you're all right? I've been having a good think. Dad! Dad! Has Maureen confirmed she'll be here for the funeral? Stella, you have told her about our family drama, haven't you? Dear God. When Maureen, the absent one, does come, when you have told her about the paraquat, I see the three of you on the pier, you and Maureen striding ahead into a light morning mist, Charlotte lagging behind. I see you two nodding your hellos to strangers with a militant heartiness, but not Charlotte. Shame retards the guilty. I see you two reach the end of the pier, turn and pass Charlotte without acknowledgement. I see her persevere. There will never again be any mention of her one mad, despairing act. Am I right, Stella? Is this how it will go? Acknowledgement is key, not forgiveness. That's good enough, I say. I don't know what I'll do with all of this stuff. You'll think of something. You have his watch, I see. Yes. There's money, you know. He left you something worthwhile. I know. I don't need to tell you he was tight with cash. Every penny a prisoner. Perhaps this is the payoff. Stella, you're getting soft in your old age. I was thinking I'd take a pebble from his grave, put it in my shoe. What do you say? Romantic? You? Besides, we have to scatter his ashes, remember? In the beginning... We were wildly attracted. Were you? Really? But we began to fight. We'd have sex to make up. Oh, please. Then we had you. Your father was going to call you Richard. I wouldn't have it. Hector. You were going to call me Hector. We were not. Bloody awful name. Who told you that? Where's the dilute? 
Just some flat ginger. How's that job of yours? Difficult. Get people round a piano. That's my advice. Thanks, Stella. Now, Charlotte. What about her? Are you talking? We talk on scraps of paper. You must stick with her, like you did with Edwin. Let's all be big. You agree? Good. You should take most of his stuff. I can't. I don't want it. Take some of it, Magnus. Make a list. Not today. I could ask Noel. He might help. Except Noel's a bit dead and alive. We can ask. He may not want to get involved. I was thinking about you and your father in America. I would have gone with you, but he wouldn't have it. He thought I would interfere. Did he tell you about the Bloods? Bloods? His mother and father. He only told me about you going missing. When I went for a drive in the desert. He was never right after that. You're a hard woman, Stella. That's his mother you're thinking of, Magnus. You said you had something to show me. It's the baby blanket they had him in when they left him on the doorstep of the police station. Good as new. I'll keep that. You have to help me here with the house. It's too much for me. Not today, Stella. I'll pour you a whiskey then. No, thank you. I'll be back in a minute. Where are you going? Out of the garage. There's only rubbish in there. You'll need a plan. Are you taking the car? I'm not going anywhere. But I was going somewhere. Edwin had got the Daimler running before he had his heart attack. I know this because it is facing outwards in the garage. I sit in behind the wheel now and look out into the night. Magnus? Stella? I get a flash from childhood. You are riding that tall black bicycle, bouffant hairdo, pencil skirt, red lipstick. I am astride a cushion clamped in the back carrier. The back carrier sways left and right. I hold on tightly to the tail of your short woolen jacket as we gather speed downhill. I'm afraid of your rolling hips. To hold on here, I have to press my palms hard in and spread my fingers to get any kind of grip. The movement of your hips, together with the sway of the back carrier, sets up a dangerous momentum that might throw me off the bike. You are making no attempt to dodge the potholes. Apparently, you are oblivious to my distress. Let go, Magnus! You call over your shoulder, but I don't let go. I keep my mouth firmly shut. You wave at men. They all wave back. I think you must be pulling faces for them as we quiver past their stationary cars or they lump along the pavement. Magnus? Now I see a baby being lifted from the doorstep of a Wicklow police station. That baby being named Edwin in the Sparling House. I see you my father, selling your life as dearly as you can. Where are you, son? Did you dream you'd come out here? 
Edwin, what to make of our losses? They seem not connected to any gains. They are separate, not lesser, greater, or equal, but unto themselves. I listen for the booming of Eureka dunes across the great distance. But what I hear is wind in the leaves. Magnus! Magnus, did you dream you'd come out here? Here I am. <laughs> That was Eureka Dunes by Philip Davison. Nick Dunning played Magnus Sparling and Barry McGovern his father Edwin. Ingrid Craigie was Magnus's mother Stella and Deirdre Donnelly his maiden aunt Charlotte. Dervila Crotty played Edwin's natural mother and Joe Taylor the investigating detective Richie. Sound design was by Damien Chanel. Eureka Dunes was produced by Aidan Matthews. rta.ie forward slash Drama on one.